Don't let anything stand in the way between me and Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless you all the dads. You wave at me if you're a dad. Wait, come on, dads. Don't be shy. Come on, Hank. Don't no, where's your hand? Come on. Okay. Now keep your hand up if you're also a grandpa. Yay, look at the grandpas. Okay, keep your hand up really high if you're a great grandpa. Come on. Come on. We got at least three. Wow, three. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That is a heritage, guys. That's fantastic. And then we got some guys who are who are fathers in the spirit, right? We've got some fathers in the spirit, and that is huge, and it's what the world needs. It's what builds kingdom. It's what builds society, right? That's the fabric of society. So bless you, and bless, bless, uh, bless, a, bless a few lads that are, are wanting to be dads someday because we bless you too. We bless you to raise children in the heritage and the knowledge of the love of God because there's going to be some good dads coming up. I can see it. So let's just pray a blessing over dads, would-be dads, soon-to-be dads, uh, dads in the spirit. So, Father, I just thank you that of all the titles that you could take, your favorite is Father, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank you for fathers. I thank you for fathers in the land. I thank you for fathers in the kingdom, Lord, who stand as foundation stones of what you are building in the land. And we bless them. We bless them with grace. We bless them with wisdom. We bless them, Lord, with um, just patience and, um, Lord, a vision for what you're doing, Lord, in, in growing up younger ones under them to, Lord, to walk in the kingdom and to fulfill, Lord, all that's in your heart for them. And so, Lord, we bless dads. We bless fathers. And, Father, we just we thank you that you are the perfect father. For those, none of, none of us had a perfect dad. That's, that's a given. You're the only perfect dad. And so, God, we thank you that you are our father. Lord, that no matter what imperfections or lacks we had in that part of our growing up in our life, you are there. You always were, and you always will be the perfect father. We bless you. We bless you. And we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Um, we're going to do communion today, so I'm going to ask Brenda to come. Bill and Brenda are going to serve us uh, communion this morning. slightly loaded. <laughs> I got all markers in here. But I, I just want to thank the Lord. There we go. I just want to thank the Lord for the power of his blood. And that is why Christ died on the cross for us. That we could have life and life eternal. And I've been praying and asking the Lord to show me what it means. First of all, Communion is to remember Christ, that he died for us. But it is also a remembrance of what he is still doing for us. When he died for us, his blood covers all of our sins. Not just some of them, all of them. And I just thank the, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost that empowers us to serve. And I thank him for every ministry gift that he has given us. Some of us don't realize our gifts yet that God has given us, but God is going to show us those gifts. And he made it all possible through his blood that was shed on Calvary. It's nothing fantastic that we do. It's not our status in life. It is by the blood of Jesus. And I just was reading in I have a book on decrees. 
And the one decree that really came to me for this session is when Christ died for us, Jesus, when he was baptized, he went straight away out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lightning upon him. The Holy Spirit is always there. And I thank Jesus that he opened the heavens for me 2,000 years ago. He opened it for you. That through his blood, we have life. Through his blood, we have healing. Through his blood, we have protection. It's all about the blood of Jesus. And if Jesus hadn't died for us, we would be lost. And there's another verse that I say, for God so loved the world. He loved us so much, but he could not let sin enter into heaven. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And we have everlasting life through the blood of Jesus Christ. We can't say that enough through the blood of Jesus Christ. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, when I sin, I can come to him and ask for forgiveness. And he won't say, oh, you're not good enough. Oh, that sin was particularly bad. I come to Jesus and I say, Jesus, I've sinned. Forgive me. And he opens his arms wide. He protects us. He puts his angels rounds about us. And I pray every night for my grandchildren, for my children, and for my church family when God puts it upon my heart to pray for his guardian angels to be around about them, lest any of you should dash a foot against a rock. Isn't that amazing? Even if you should dash your foot against a rock, God is there to protect, keep us, and watch over us. And that is one of the one main reasons why we take communion, is to remember the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. His power is so amazing that it protects us and it keeps us. And Jesus, I just want to thank you for dying for us, for loving us so much that you died for us on the cross that we could have life and life abundantly and life eternally. I thank you for the communion that we can remember you, remember your blood. And on this the Bible says, in, if anyone wants to follow along, 1 Corinthians 11, verse, I'm going to start, read at 25 on. For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you. The Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body which was broken for you. And in remembrance, we take of this bread. So let us all just take of the bread. And thank you, Jesus, for your body that was broken for us, that we could have life. And after the same manner, he also took the cup when he had supped, saying, this is a cup the New Testament in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. And I just want to thank the Lord that no matter what sin we've committed, it is not about the sin. It is about the forgiveness. It is about the blood that says, I love you and I forgive you. So we take up this cup now and we drink it through the blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for dying on the cross for us that we may 
have life and life abundantly through the blood of Jesus Christ. In his name we praise you. Amen. Let's partake. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood that was shed for us on Calvary. And thank you, guys. In case that wasn't abundantly clear, and I think Brenda made it pretty clear, but the enemy will often come to folks on communion day and say, "You're not worthy. You're not. You're not living up. You're not. You're not up to snuff here." And that's actually the whole point of communion: is is the only qualification is that you believe believe that the Lord took your place and paid for your sin, and there is now no condemnation if you're in Christ. So when the enemy lies, he speak, he's speaking his mother tongue, right? So he likes to come and try to make us feel like we've now got to merit something and earn our way to the cross. You can't. You just can't. Can't be done. He's the only one that qualified to pay for our sin, and he did it. And it, it is effectual to the end of your days. You just believe. Um, <clears throat> so, Lorraine, could you throw up those slides for us? If you weren't with us last week or you, you were here at the church and didn't make it out to the baptism, uh, we had a good time. <laughs> this was out at Nurse's Place, and um, uh, Bella, Nathaniel, and Chelsea, and Jesse all got dunked, and um, it was glorious. And then Sean and Teresa were singing and playing, and we all just gathered around food and fellowship and uh, the power of testimony and and just to see transformed lives. So we are, we're just, just celebrating, just celebrating that incredible goodness of God and, uh, and rejoicing with that. So um, there's, there's some, some pictures. If you, if you missed that event, it was, it was really, and the Lord just gave us a, a glorious day. So, yeah, thank the Lord. So um, has anybody got something that they, so here's, here's what we do when we're listening, because remember, we're learning fish, right? We're learning to be led by the Holy Spirit. So if you feel a nudge of the Holy Spirit and we're learning, what's the voice of God and what's my own spirit speaking to me or my own emotion? Is, Lord, yes and no questions are easier to hear than a five-year game plan, I find. Is this for me or for the group? Is it for me? Yes or no. Is it for the group? Yes or no. Is it for now? And does it flow with in the in the flow of what God is doing right now? So if you get answers of yes to those questions, come on up and share. Tell us what God's saying. Good morning. So about a month ago, I um, I heard this from the Lord, and I wrote down what I heard. And the title of it is called Having the Right Kind of Staying Power. A flower lays bare after the petals fall. The opportunity is to pick up the seeds of that flower, gather them up, and use them again and again. That's having staying power. The course seems heavy that you're taking, but knowing that there's a final exam at the end usually makes studying a little easier to endure. That is staying the course. Your meekness is what builds character. Having the stamina to just keep going no matter what as there is a finish in this race to victory. With a lap after lap, you struggle to stay steady, but you know that that road has a finish ribbon tied at the end of it for you to walk through. The ribbon falls to the ground. You're exhausted, but yet exhilarated. Final thought? This race just caused you to see the finish line before you had even gotten there because it was in your mind's eye. Camilla Parker Bowles just stayed on enduring year after year of hardship and growing pains but eventually took honor as queen because she stayed with it. With this said, I believe the Lord wants us to keep in mind 
that the purpose of staying in a continuum of working hard while trying not to create an early departure or quitting will teach us that through our enduring, the final race for us is the best one, the one where the Lord said he would return for his bride and thus saving the best race for the last lap. In 1 Corinthians 15.55, I love the first part of the verse. It says, O death, where is your sting? Which means it doesn't matter when we have Christ living within us because of his covenant that he's made with us. That is the ultimate kind of staying power, one that will stay on forever. Thanks. another loaded Bible. <laughs> loaded. Yeah, it's good. Um, I'm going to read a lot of scripture today. I'm not going to apologize. <laughs> um, anyone familiar with the story of the 12 spies? 12 spies, right? So are you, uh, are you one of the two or are you one of the 10? So raise your hand if you're one of the 10. Yeah, I thought that's about how that would go. <clears throat> Statistically speaking, we're probably not all Caleb's and Joshua's. Where is that story found? I've, okay, we're just going to go to the highest bidder. And here, uh, Joshua, 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 Joshua. And, and, and I'm here in an Exodus, 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 Exodus. Anything, any other bidders? Numbers. It's actually in numbers. So Lolo, if you can throw up numbers 13 for me there <clears throat> in the NIV. Numbers. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. When do they actually get into the promised land? What book? Now you're afraid to guess because I embarrassed you. Joshua. With a great big long massive Deuteronomy in the middle. Noteworthy that the people are in the same place at the beginning of Deuteronomy 1 as they are at the end of the chapters 30, I think 31 or 30, 30 odd chapters later. They're in the same place. God has a redemptive plan, and it's always been about getting people restored after they were banished from the garden into the land he has promised. And I'm going to call it the land he promised because we're so familiar with the phrase, the promised land. I don't think it really hits us as the land that he promised because we know it as the promised land as a title. You know what I mean? When you become so familiar with certain terms. So I'm going to very specifically call it the land that was promised. When was the land promised and to whom? Abraham, way back in Genesis. <clears throat> okay, call of Abraham in Genesis 12. So God has a plan and he promises the land and he reiterates those promises and he brings people out of bondage from Egypt. Here's what I think, there's three things going on that start with B's, so they're easy to remember. I had to sort of stretch to make the last one a B, but God is rescuing us from bondage. There is a world in bondage all around us to sin, to self, to Satan. And God has a plan to break us free, break every chain. Don't you love that we sang that song this morning? God has a plan to deliver people from bondage. His name is Jesus, and you are his hands and feet. God has a plan to, to reconcile people from banishment, bondage, banage, banishment. We're, we're supposed to have a little hook in your memory because it's an alliteration. Bondage, banishment, that God 
has a solution to being banished from heaven, and his name is Jesus. And God has a solution for not belonging. There's where I had to stretch a bit, right? Banishment and bondage and not belonging. Because even Abraham was a wandering Aramean, right? He wandered. He lived in tents, and he didn't have excuse me, a place to call his own. And God said, there's a land, there's a son of promise, and there's a land of promise. And that all of that is fulfilled in Christ. All of that is fulfilled in Christ. So then we might ask ourselves, what is the writer of Hebrews talking about when he says, there is yet a Sabbath rest into which we can enter? Okay, tying a lot of threads together here. God is taking his people through a journey. And we're going to read a bit about the journey that happened to Israel because it's going to help us to understand the journey that's happening to us as the people of God in this time in this place. Because actually people don't really change a lot. You know, the names and the faces and the places change. The heart of man is wicked and sinful. That's what the Bible says. And the reactions are fairly predictable unless there's this intervention of the Holy Spirit who comes and renews us and makes us new. And it's just one, one of the reasons, as Brenda was pointing out, that we, that we stop and we do communion together because we remind ourselves, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you're not going to have a part of this kingdom. And it's all about kingdom, isn't it? kingdoms of the Lord and of his Christ. Those are the ones that last forever. Every other kingdom falls. Every other knee will bow. And his kingdom will reign forever. So Numbers is a fascinating, this is a fascinating story here. Um, We're going to start in Numbers 13 and and just read through. Um, So I got it up there. Thanks, Lolo. We're going to, we're just going to click through, so. The Lord said to Moses, so Moses and the people, and they're in the wilderness, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites, which I am giving. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran, and all of them were leaders of the Israelites. These are their names, from the tribe of Reuben, Shamua son of Zachur, it's like, yeah, thank you, I get to do this, not you, right? From the tribe of Simeon, Shaphat, son of Hori. From the tribe of Judah, Caleb, son of Jephunneh. From the tribe of Issachar, Egal, son of Joseph. From the tribe of Ephraim, Hoshea, son of Nun. That should ring a bell. From the tribe of Benjamin, Palti, son of Raphu. From the tribe of Zebulun, Gadiel, son of Sodi. From the tribe of Manasseh, a tribe of Joseph, Gadi, son of Susi. From the tribe of Dan, Amiel, son of Gemali. From the tribe of Asher, Sether, son of Michael. From the tribe of Naphtali, Nabi, son of Vopshi. From the tribe of Gad, Guel, son of Maki. Now somebody should be saying, son of Nun, what? First of all, you thought nuns didn't have sons. We'll have none of that. I, I knew someone in my family would get that. Uh, so did Joshua, son of Nun, have a brother? Hoshea, son of Nun? Question mark, question mark. Keep reading. These are the names of the men Moses sent to explore the land. Moses gave Hoshea, son of Nun, the name Joshua. So I don't know if anybody's picked up on that before. Name changes in the scripture are huge. Abram goes to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah, Cephas to Peter. There's always a reason. And it's putting, usually putting in the name of God. God I've got my son Nathaniel, Nathaniel, back there, the L being God, a gift of God, right? We call him Nate, but we don't, you know, we didn't name him Nate because we wanted God in the name, right? So, so Hosea meant salvation, yeah, it's actually three syllables in the Hebrew. It's uh, Yosh, 
yeshot, I'm not going to get it right, three syllables, and it means salvation is from God. So Moses changes, we transliterate it to English, Joshua, same name as Jesus. It's the same name as Jesus, and he says, you're going to be a leader here, and I want the name of God on your name every time someone says your name, Joshua. Salvation isn't enough. Salvation is from the Lord. There is no other name by which we must be saved but Jesus. So little aside there uh, that the scripture tells us, uh, Joshua also had a name change. And Moses sent them. Who were they? They were leaders. These were people over millions. The people of God were so numerous at this point. So these were the top of the top, the cream of the crop. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, go up through the Negev and on into the hill country and see what the land is like and whether the people who live there in the land are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? It's actually the land in the original. Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees on it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. And it was the season for the first ripe grapes. So they went up and they explored the land from the desert of Zin as far as Rehob towards Labo Hamath. And they went up through the Negev and came to Hebron where Anaman, Shishai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, lived. Hebron had been built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. When they reached the valley of Eshkol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes, and two of them carried on on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates <coughs> excuse me, and figs. And that place was called the valley of Eshkol because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. So even if you have like very, very in, inactive, uncolorful imagination, You've got to see that cluster of grapes, right? Two guys with a pole on their shoulders carrying one cluster of grapes. So I don't know if it's like a ton of grapes on one cluster or I always say, or if the grapes are as big as my head, but like that's some picture, isn't it? I don't know where that happens anymore today. That was some soil. That, the, they're carrying this one, um, one cluster of grapes and they've been out together, these 12 guys, for 40 days. That's a month and 10 days. So there's got to be a lot of conversation going on. I like to sort of fill out the story here because they're people, right? And so the, the ideas are being exchanged. And the, the evidence of the blessing on this land is right before their eyes. But these are people who were brought out of Egypt by signs and wonders. These were people who ate manna in the desert. These were people who were led by a pillar of cloud in the day and a pillar of fire in the night. So the wonders of God seems like they haven't stayed too wondrous. They're almost familiar with them, right? And they go back, and here's what happens. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran, and they reported to them in the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. And they gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey, and here is its fruit. Next word, operative word, but. But. So I think we had one sentence. We went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Oh, two, and here's its fruit. Not much commentary on the fruit. I guess it spoke for itself. But. The people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak, who's a giant. And the Amalekites live in the, in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. So let's see, that was from 28, 28 to 29. We named all the ites. We talked about the people. We talked about the cities. We talked about the giants. There was a lot of credit given to the people that lived in the land. What did God promise them, by the way? The land. So when uh, Jesse comes to our house, he loves to play this game called Monopoly Deal. It's basically Monopoly with cards. 
and it goes a lot faster than Monopoly because I really can't stand Monopoly, but I like to play Monopoly deal. And uh, so the card game goes that um, you have to have certain colors of cards to charge rent, and you, you get this all the same properties when you get a, a, your two or three set of property, and you can put a, a house on it and a hotel. And then there's this card called the deal breaker. Dun, dun, dun. There's only two or three, right, Gord? Two. Okay, two in the whole deck. Deal breaker, which means I can swoop in and go, da, da, da. Deal breaker. I just took your, like, a whole set. doesn't matter if it's got houses and hotels on it. I could take all of your property unless you have a just say no card. And I always would tease that I have a secret drawer under the table that has 17 of those just to sort of throw him off. But I don't. And so I could just this, take this deal breaker card and I can take all of that property with all that it has. That's what God is talking about. He's the divine deal breaker and he's got an unlimited number of those cards and he comes and he says, the land, yours, take it. Doesn't matter who's on it, what's on it, what's in it, it's yours, deal breaker. Boom. And the people missed it. So here's what they said. Good old Caleb, right? Put on your Caleb glasses. Caleb vision. And Caleb silenced the people. He quieted them because they're already going. Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. Hallelujah. I hope you're Caleb. I hope you're a Caleb. I hope I'm a Caleb. But the men who had gone up with him said, these guys have been hanging out for 40 days. We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. Duh. And they spread amongst the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. The land is like its own character in this, right? And they spread a bad report. And they said, get this, the land we explored devours. Now the land is taking on personification of monster. The land devours those living in it, and all the people we saw there are of great size, and we saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak that come from the Nephilim, and we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, which is a wrong perception, by the way, and we looked the same to them. And God says, you are more than conquerors. You are going to do what I said because when I move, their protection is lifted. The fear of God was already on the land and the people. The people knew what God had done in Egypt. They seemed to know it better than the people of God. What was going on in those heads? This is a very long time of Moses rehearsing the land that was promised. The land that was promised. Let's see. A promise is about as good as the person who makes it, right? So when God makes a promise, is it going to happen? No brainer. No brainer. It's the deal breaker card that says, if I promised it, it really doesn't matter what's on the land, who's in the land, how fortified the land is. Just look at the low-hanging fruit. Look at me. 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 We're going in. We're going through. Of course you can't do it. You're a bunch of former slaves from Egypt that had no tools, no weapons, no training, other than depending on me. What was it all about in the wilderness? The training is depend on me. Without me, you can do nothing. This is what Jesus says. And yet we do all these things because I'm no smarter than those 10 spies. I'm no smarter than those 10 spies. And God says, this is what you're going to do. Jesus gives the mandate of the kingdom in Matthew 5, right? tells us this is what kingdom looks like therefore go and make disciples of all nations why because i've told you because i'll be with you always even to the end of the age 
And sometimes we just, it's like we're so distracted or we're, we don't believe it or what are we doing? Like we're, we're, where are we going into the land? So that's the land that was the literal land for Israel. What's our land, people? What's our land? What are we promised? It's got to be more than just heaven. It's Jesus. Jesus is the promised land. And he's accessible. He's fully accessible now. It's not a wait till you die and go to heaven and get your, when he comes back and restores everything and we get our incredible redeemed bodies that last forever. There's, there's this mission, the family business that he's calling us to now to know him and to step into everything that he has. What happened? That night all the people, uh, numbers 14, that night all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. They're not crying out to God. They're just crying. <laughs> There's a big difference. You know, we'll see it in the following verses, but if they had been falling on their faces and crying out to God and saying, God, convince us with more signs and wonders that you could actually do this, he would have been gracious because he knows we're made of dust because he made us, but they're not. They're just crying out. They're just whining. All the people raised their voices and wept aloud, and Israelites are very passionate people, so I could just imagine the ruckus this was. Millions of people. And all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron because it must be their fault. And the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this desert. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land only to let us fall by the sword? Is anyone's heart breaking? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader. We should choose a leader, and we should go back to bondage and slavery. After all this, does this make you like a little ill? Is anybody feeling nauseous? I'm feeling a little nauseous. And Moses and Aaron fell face down. Here's the repentance. Here's the on your faces crying out. Moses and Aaron are like, oh, God, this was supposed to be easy. They just had to go, look at the amazing fruit. Let's go, God. They fell down, face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. And Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, were amongst those who had explored the land, and they tore their clothes. They're like, I can't believe this. The whole of this incredible place that was designed just for you. It's right in front of you. We've been promised this for for years and now we're here we've wandered we've learned to depend on God we we know that he goes before us in a in cloud and fire he's in front of us he's behind us what more could we do we lack nothing and now you're just afraid because of what your eyes see but we're not supposed to walk by sight we're supposed to walk by hallelujah hallelujah you're all Joshua's and Caleb's I can see it I can feel it. Joshua and Caleb tore their clothes and they said to the entire Israelite assembly, verse 7, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. Oh, you got to love these guys. This is a Caleb at 85 going, give me that mountain. Come on. The life of God, the faith that says, of course I can't do it. Of course I can't do it. Without him, I can do nothing. In him, we live and move and have our being. You can't take your next breath without him. Why had they not yet learned dependence that they couldn't do a blessed thing without him? And God says, I've got all this just waiting for you. And the whole assembly, what's their, oh yeah. Do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone. But the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid. We've heard afraid a couple times there, right? But the whole assembly talked about 
stoning them. Wow. Like this, this story is so familiar, right? But it's not. Who would do that? Who would stone their own leaders that had been laid down their lives and given themselves in complete obedience to God? Stone them. And look at the response of God. This is, this is, to me, this was so unexpected. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites, because that's where Moses and Joshua met with the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Contempt. Some translations say disrespect. What more could he do? He delivered them from Egypt from slavery. Signs and wonders and miracles. Killed the firstborn of all the Egyptians and passed by the Israelites because of the blood. And they're like, nope. Nope, not going to do it. Short memories, huh? So glad we all have memories like elephants. Deuteronomy, keywords, remember, remember, remember. Don't forget. Remember, remember. Don't forget. And they have to go through that whole thing for how many years? Forty. For every day that the spies were in the land, he gave them a year of wandering. And even in that, there is mercy And so God says to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me? In spite of all the miraculous signs I performed among them, I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them, but I will make you, Moses, into a nation greater and stronger than they. There's not not another leader like Moses. And Moses says to the Lord, then the Egyptians will hear about it, Lord, by your power... You brought these people up from among them, and they will, they will tell the inhabitants of this land about it. They've already heard that you, O oh Lord, are with these people, and that you, O oh Lord, have been seen face to face, that your cloud stays over them, and that you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. If you put these people to death all at one time, the nations who have heard this report about you will say, The Lord was not able to bring these people into the land. He promised them on oath, God's oath. So he slaughtered them in the desert. Moses is an incredible guy, and he bargains. You know, God already knows what he's going to do. But Moses bargains with God like Abraham did, right? And he comes back to God, and he says, what about your reputation? Because you want all men to know be saved now may the lord's strength be displayed just as you have declared the lord is slow to anger this is the first thing god said about himself in the first person the lord the lord slow to anger and abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished he punishes the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation in accordance with your great love lord Forgive the sins of these people just as you have pardoned them from the time they left Egypt until now. And this is key. The Lord says, I have forgiven them. Don't miss that because there's punishment coming. There's consequence coming. But he says, I have forgiven them. Nevertheless, the people said, but. And the father said, nevertheless, this is me you're dealing with. As surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of the men who saw my glory and the miraculous signs I performed in Egypt and in the desert, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their forefathers. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit, and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. 
since the Amalekites and the Canaanites are living in the valleys, turn back tomorrow and set out towards the desert along the route to the Red Sea. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, how long will this wicked community grumble against me? I've heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. In this desert, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who is counted in the census, who has grumbled against me. Not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. As for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them in to enjoy the land you have rejected. But you, your bodies will fall in this desert. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lies in the desert for 40 years. One year for each of the 40 days you explored the land. You will suffer for your sins and know what it's like to have me against you. I, the Lord, have spoken and will surely do these things to to this whole wicked community, which is banded together against me, and they will meet their end in the desert. And here they will die. So the men had, so the men Moses had sent to explore the land, who returned and made the whole community grumble against him by spreading a bad report about it. These men, responsible for the spreading of the bad report about the land, were struck down and died of a plague before the Lord. Boom. When Moses reported all of this to the Israelites, they mourned bitterly. So early the next morning, guess what they did? Early the next morning, they went up towards the high hill country. We have sinned, they said. We will go to the place the Lord promised. But Moses said, why are you disobeying the Lord's command? Because it's what we do, apparently. This will not succeed. Do not go up because the Lord is not with you. You will be defeated by your enemies for the Amalekites and the Canaanites will face you there because you have turned away from the Lord and he will not be with you and you will fall by the sword. Nevertheless, in their presumption, they went up towards the hill country, though neither Moses nor the Ark of the Lord's Covenant moved from the camp. And you know what would happen. I don't even have to read it. You know what's going to happen. And so that generation dies in the desert and then we have all if you haven't read Deuteronomy lately read Deuteronomy it's about the love of God love the Lord with all your heart and all your soul and understanding and it gives some great guidelines for how to live as a holy community and says remember 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 who I am and so we're just going to go to Joshua because it's just all too sad but we don't want to miss the weightiness of that story. Because again, those were leaders of leaders who, who just missed the, the vision and the call and the heart of God and did not exercise faith and let what they saw before them and all the opposition and all of the challenges and all of the negativity and, and the odds stacked against them and went, Ugh. I'm just walking in the natural here. I totally forgot that I've been living in the supernatural for all this time. But I'm so glad we wouldn't do that. Joshua 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, who's now 40 years older, Moses is aid. Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan into the land I am about to give them. Woohoo! Finally, to the Israelites, and I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses, as I promised Abraham, as I've been promising your people since I developed this nation. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, and the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. And no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. And as I was with Moses, I will be with you, and I will never leave you or forsake you. Love it. Love it. Why, does, why do you think Joshua needs this pep talk from the Lord? He knows what these people are like. <laughs> It's like, the Lord's like, 
okay, even if everyone else blows it, I'm still here for you, Josh. <laughs> be strong and courageous. We all know and love that phrase. Be strong. Be courageous because you will lead this people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that maybe they may you may be successful wherever you go. And that successful is not just a prosperous successful. It's like wise and insightful and understanding. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. This is what kingdom leaders are to do. So you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, just in case you missed it the other two times. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Let's skip down to verse 13. Remember, this is him talking to the Reubenites. Remember the command that Moses, the servant, gave you. The Lord is giving you rest. Where they stayed on the east of the Jordan, and that was their territory. But God said, now you will go and you'll help your brothers obtain their rest. We don't all get to the place at the same time, but we help each other get there. It's really important. It's really important. Until the Lord gives rest to everybody. After that, go back and occupy your land. Once you enter into it, occupy it. Don't let the enemy come and retake the territory that God has given you. So then we have the whole, you know, the story of Rahab and the spies crossing the Jordan, going into the land, you know, going around um, the city in Jericho with these massive walls. And, um, and God beginning to take them to the place that he's been promise, promising them for so many years. Um, Lolo, can you switch to that uh, uh, slide for me, please? So... What's a, what, let's just have a little feedback. What's God saying to you? What, this isn't just a story for, you know, make it into children's books. What's God saying to you? Is it applicable now? Talk to me, Sean. Amen. Okay, so Sean, just for the recording. So Sean said, don't look to the right or to the left. Focus on what the Lord has said. Don't be distracted. Does my, my summary paraphrase. Bless. Does that apply to anybody? Anybody being distracted? Anybody have giants in front of them? Okay. So the Lord, when he talked about sending them into the land he promised, he kept saying, the land, the land, the land. Remember, everything in the land is under his command and control. If we look at the stuff in the land, blocking, I'm going to use air quotes, blocking our occupying enemy territory will never go. And we will suffer the consequences, and our kids will suffer the consequences. You know, the players change. The names change. But the concept is there. It's a biblical principle, and we need to understand it. Anything else? Amen. Oh, look. Hands. Pick me. Bruce likes to say that one. Pick me. Pick me. Right? This is a group that loves to say, pick me. Pick me. God, what are you doing in hope? Pick me! God, what are you doing wherever I live? Pick me. Send me. I was looking for somebody to stand in the gap. But I didn't find anybody, the Lord says. And I had to do it myself. That is such a heartbreaking scripture. God says, I looked for somebody who would stand in the gap so I wouldn't have to bring judgment on the land. And he didn't find anybody. Wow. I just so feel like we're entering into a new time, a new place, the promised land. 
What does it mean to be more than a conqueror? Here's what I think it means. We're talking about this in Romans 8 on Wednesday night. A conqueror goes in and does what he can do and takes the land. More than a conqueror goes in and says, I can't do it. God's going to have to do it and takes the land. That's more than a conqueror. What on earth would more than a conqueror be? More than a conqueror means I just show up. Wow, kudos to me, right? I just show up. That's all I do is I believe. That's not a big deal. He's proven himself time and again. He is faithful. He is worthy. He's going to do what he says. He has all of the heavens and earth backing everything that he's ever promised. He's going to do it. All I get, have to do is believe. And it's not just that I get to do it. If I'm going to partner with him, I have to do it. I have to believe. I think Teresa said something like that right at the beginning. What's the next slide there, Lolo? Partnering with God, number one. Right instructions. What does it mean to have right instructions? It means that I'm not inventing something out of my head to do for God. It's the word of the Lord, right? He says to Joshua, be in the book night and day. If you're in the book, then even if I tell you to do something that seems a little crazy, like take a fortified city, your faith is going to be built up and your eyes are going to be on me. Look at me. Look at me. If you're looking at me, we will walk through this together. You follow the cloud of fire, the pillar of uh, cloud and the pillar of fire. We don't see those physically anymore but he promised to be with us lo I am with you always even into the end of the age right instructions are going to be from the Lord and then our job is to obey obey the instructions and Joshua that that story of the takedown of Jericho is phenomenal like just to get that many people not to speak as they went around that's pretty phenomenal I must not have been any women in there I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say I don't know I don't think us women might have got around there. I don't know. I'm just saying. It's harder for us to be quiet. We've been like, how many times have we been around? What's he doing? Just teasing. It's phenomenal how closely they, they followed the instructions to a T. They'd learned. What's the next one, Lolo? Right attitude. I got another alliteration for you. Humility, honor, holiness. Humility. Moses was the humblest man that ever walked the earth. And people wanted to stone him, for goodness sakes, right? He was following God. You know, sometimes leaders are going to sound like they're, trust that God speaks to your leaders. You know, there are no perfect leaders. Moses wasn't perfect Joshua wasn't perfect but there's times when encourage your leaders pray for your leaders that's that's a given right and that you all hear and that's why you know I love a leadership team idea right that, that we can hear the voice of God together and walk in wisdom and walk in grace and hear God together Steve says you know God doesn't speak from a spigot he speaks as the rain he's saying what he's doing in the earth not just to me, not just to you. He speaks to everybody, and he's on the same page. Humility, honor. We need to honor one another. You know, the people showed contempt for the Lord. If you don't have honor for God, you're not going to have honor for anybody. I don't think that's a problem. But Jesus is in this lady and this lady and this lady and this lady. He, Jesus is in everyone who is born again of the Spirit of God. So honor Christ by honoring one another. Honor one another. Holiness. Without holiness, no one will see God. Period. Right? <laughs> Without holiness, no one will see God. This is, these are the attitudes and the lifestyles of kingdom people. The right perspective. Uh, so if you take a dime and you put it in front of your eyeball... When you hold it this way, you're like, that's a dime, that's really little. And if, as you bring it in, it comes really big, right? <laughs> Whatever you look at will become bigger if that's what you're focused on. 
If you've got a dime right in front of your eyeball, it's going to look very disproportionately large. And this is what happens if we don't keep our eyes on the Lord. When God is big, everything else is minuscule. When God is small, everything else grows disproportionately. It's because you got that thing right in front of your eye. The people that came back and gave the bad report said, we are grasshoppers. Wrong. You're sons of the living God. You're sons of the living God. That was, a, that was a bent perspective. That was a sin perspective. And then they said, and the people see us as such. You don't know what's going on in someone else's head. Don't try to go there. I've had people say to me, everybody thinks this about me. Everybody thinks that about me. Multiple, we all do it. We all do it. Don't do it. It's not worth your time. You're not going to be right. And it doesn't really matter in the end. It doesn't really matter what God says and what God thinks about me is what matters. Have the right perspective. Joshua and Caleb, what did they see? Grapes the size of your head. Like, come on, guys. How did you miss that? You carried that back. How did you forget that? Which means grapes are cultivated, which means they went into the land of the giants and stole their grapes. Right? You're like, how did they get the grapes? Off a vineyard, which was a farm of very large people. And they went in there and they got them because they weren't afraid. Because they knew God was protecting them. Big fruit, big promise, big God. Let's go. The other guys are like, big giants, big problems. Let's not go. Well, where are, we gonna, where are you going to choose? Uh, number four, the right leader. And I'm just going to say this. Moses was the right leader. You ain't going to do any better than that. Moses was the right leader. And there are right leaders for right seasons in the kingdom. God knows how to bring people for the thing he's doing at that time. That's what I'm going to say about that. And that leaders should hear and obey and be humble and be exemplary in that. And the right training. You know, I, I just as I as I was preparing this, I just felt like the Lord said, "The wilderness as a win. See the wilderness as a win." And I was like, "Fair enough. <laughs> See the wilderness as a win. See that un, that place of not of your choosing that you're in that you stinks and you don't want to be there. And what if it's a win? What if it's my training ground?" See the wilderness as a win. God intentionally took the people into the wilderness because they weren't ready to fight enemies. They were pretty lame. So he said, you need some training. The training is depend on me, not yourself. That's the training. The wilderness is a win. Learn from your past mistakes, errors and omissions. We all have them. We've all done them. And we didn't, not, nobody gets it right the first time. It's rare, right? It's okay. We're part of a body. Sean said this morning, you're safe and you belong. You're not banished. You do belong. And we're getting free from bondage so that we can set others free from bondage and that we walk by faith and not by sight. That's the bottom line, right? We walk by faith and not by sight. So if you look at that list, I don't think they're all equally important. The people of Israel had good instructions they had a really good leader, and they had training from God. So what's left? So guess what? Moses and Caleb couldn't impart that to the people. It's up to, it's up to us. It's up to, it's up to each of us. It's up to each of us. Because the spies didn't lie. The ten spies didn't lie. They told the facts. It was true. It just wasn't God's perspective. So we need to have God's perspective on the things that are in our face, taking our attention and giving us a warped vision of the kingdom because that's not the kingdom, it's the world. I'm just going to read you the words to this song. I had not heard this song until this morning, so I was like, I love you, Holy Spirit. You're just always doing fun stuff. So I turn on my... I turn on Spotify and I'm in my bathroom and I'm and here's the song I, I heard. It's uh, called Confidence by Sanctus Riel. I'm not a warrior. I'm too afraid to lose. I feel unqualified for what you're calling me to. But Lord, with your strength, I've got no excuse because broken people are exactly who you use. 
So give me faith like Daniel in the lion's den. Give me hope like Moses in the wilderness. Give me a heart like David, Lord. Be my defense so I can face my giants with confidence. You took a shepherd boy and made him a king, so I'm going to trust you and give you everything. I'll be a conqueror because you fight for me. I'll be a champion claiming your victory. So give me faith like Daniel in the lion's den. Oh, that's, a, that's the next thing. Give me hope like Moses in the wilderness. Give me a heart like David. Lord, be my defense so I can face my giants with confidence. Let's pray. So, Father, we know, <laughs> we know so many things that we actually don't really know. We just know of them. But, Lord, you're, you're taking us through a time where we are beginning to know <laughs> and understand and have this knowledge that will actually change our lives. Um, Lord, once you said to us that you wanted us to be homogenous. You wanted us to be the same through and through, that we don't show up one way in one situation and show up another way in another situation, but that we walk steadily, steadfastly, confidently, and faithfully in you, uh, not in the world. We're walking by faith and not by sight. So I pray for each of us um, that we would have Caleb vision. And Lord, even if it helps us to you know, put on or take off glasses and put on different glasses and say, I want to see like Caleb. I, I want to see what you're doing. I want to understand the promise and who backs the promise. And I want to walk confidently and not show you contempt. God, keep us from living in contempt of you and your kingdom. Help us to be full of faith, full of grace, full of love and forgiveness, full of honor. Lord, let us see your kingdom come in ways that are uh, evidently you and not us so that people will say, God is amongst them. Yeah. In Jesus' name, amen.